Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What are the steps? Can you walk us through the steps of how to start a nonprofit 501c3? Yep. Okay, so the first thing is you don't have to have a 501c3. Can you just explain what a 501c3 is? So a 501c3 allows you, according to the IRS, to be tax exempt, which then allows all donors to write off anything that they contribute to your organization. It's very important if you need large amounts of funding. If you don't and what you're trying to do can can get by on like a $1,500 budget or a $2,000 budget, you don't need the 501c3. That budget be monthly or annually? Annually. Okay, there's, there's okay. you know, it just depends on what you're budgeting for. You know, some people have a, a plant project and they just want to plant things a couple times a year. You know, it just depends on what you're doing. Yeah, I was told something like that the process is, is very long, like independent on how it much is. you need. So like you can apply for the 501c3. If you're making, if you're anticipating having ten thousand dollars or less, yeah, that's the initial one. But mm-hmm. if you're planning more, that that process takes a lot longer. It does, and I actually so we incorporated the organization, and then we filed for the five hundred one c three at the same time. And it was about three or four months later. I planned our first annual fundraiser because we needed the funding to really get started on what we were trying to accomplish. And in my mind, I'm thinking if you look online, it tells you you can get approved for a five hundred one c three between. Two to twelve months. Mm. So of course, I'm always think I'm always being optimistic, and I'm like, well, three Two to four, months. we might make it. We didn't. Um, so we did the first fundraiser, and of course, people are going to give very minimal amounts because they can't write it off. And it's a it's a huge incentive for any donor to know that not only am I helping this cause, but I can also it'll help me with my taxes. My taxes yeah. So we didn't get it approved in time, but we ended up getting it a year later. So, all right, what's time. the process to get a 501c3? Like, what do you have to do to get one? There's a long application. Um, there's a long application, and you have to be organized and have everything. You have to, you have to answer with as many details as possible. If but, you want to get approved without questions first from what, the IRS. What kind of questions? All right. So, so mission statement. Okay. You need a mission statement. Mm-hmm. You need the name. Everything that you would need to do to start a business. You have to be very clear about what you're doing. And when I say mission statement, it's funny. I'm remembering this now. We, the IRS actually came back and said that our mission statement was too broad. And that's why we didn't get approved the first time around. I think the initial uh, mission statement was to help foster and homeless youth self-comfort. That could mean anything. So then we had to go in and revise the mission 
um, apply with the state to change that and then resubmit the application for the 501c3. Now, is this something that you did yourself or did you have lawyers involved? I hired help. Okay. Yeah. Definitely hired help. And I would recommend if anybody doesn't already have that experience in the nonprofit sector, hire where you need, especially when it comes to accounting. Um, get the support so that the first time around you're not making those mistakes. So when um, you had to narrow down your mission statement, like what, what was your revised mission statement? So now the mission statement is helping uh, foster and homeless youth self-comfort by providing comfort items for bedtime and programs that inspires them to self-soothe. And that was okay. And that was okay. So then, all right. So you have that, you have to um, set it up as a business. Like you have like an LLC set mm-hmm. up? Not, not an LLC, uh, but it's the same steps of like having to, you don't have to trademark, but I highly recommend it um, because the work of a nonprofit easily inspires someone else to want to do similar work and they can, they can take your name and do it in another state if they want to. So trademarking, I highly recommend filing for um, the setup for the nonprofit the same way you would with the LLC okay. for your state. Um, and then applying for that 501c3 early if you expect um, or if you want to receive large funds. And there's like a fee for that? Um, yes, there's a fee. There's a fee for every application. So you have to have some funds to get started. When I applied in 2012, I think that the 501c3 application was like $800. I'm not sure if it's increased since then. But yes, you definitely need something in order to get started. Okay, so you do the application, you get well, as the 501c3 is going through the process, because it could take up to a year, mm-hmm. what, what else do you need to get off the ground to start the actual charity? Everything. <laughs> can, right, yeah. can you explain that? So, so <laughs> you need a website. Okay. Uh, you need a marketing plan. You need a business plan. Marketing plan. Can we, can we talk about that? Yeah. Because, all right, how do you... So now, before you even go into that, like, this is you and someone else, like, the co Like, who else is doing this? So, the co-founder was my mother, but right. no, she... Uh, she was living her best life in Florida. So my mom was not involved in, um, you know, actually getting the organization started. I was doing this on my own with the help of friends who believed in me and the organization. So that's the next step in like, uh, and I'll get back to marketing, but you need, you need a marketing plan. You need a business plan. Um, you need a board of directors, you need people that are going to hold you accountable, which most people don't know. So when you're applying for this paperwork, you can't just put your name on it. If people are giving donations, the IRS wants to know who else is tracking these dollars to make sure that you're not out here spending these these funds in the wrong way. Um, so when I first started, and I think most people when they start nonprofits, it's usually people that are very connected to you as well as the mission. And so they'll sign on to support you. And that's usually how the board starts. And then eventually it grows. You have to have a board of directors. Yes. How many people? Three. Non-negotiable. You have to. You have to. to. Got it. They have to have titles or they're just board of directors? Um, yes. And they need titles. So you need a president, um, you need a treasurer, and you need a secretary. And that, that's New York State standard or federal? New York State. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, you have those three people. Um those people have to actually be active. They should be active. <laughs> so here's the thing: kindly it's recommended. like <laughs> kindly recommended um, because they're putting themselves on the line by signing that paperwork, okay. right? So if you have someone sign as a secretary and it's your cousin, but they're not actually doing the work, if you get audited or there's an issue, they're going to come looking for you and your cousin. So everybody should understand how serious it is when they are signing that paperwork. Okay, can we talk about marketing? Yeah. 
So how do you put together a marketing plan for a nonprofit organization? Because it's different, right? Like we're marketing, let's say we, we want to market our podcast, right? Or you, mm-hmm. you're marketing a, a product, right? It's a little different than marketing for a nonprofit because it's, it's charity, yeah. right? So it's like you kind of, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's, it's a little delicate walk because you don't want to make it seem like you're selling something, but obviously you, you need funds. We're going to talk about fundraising, but you need funds. So how do you, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you market for a charity? I think the two most important things to consider when marketing is who is your target audience? And then also what do your donors need to see and understand in order to give? Mm -hmm. So the more your donors know, the more they will give period. Um, Making sure that in everything that you do, whether it's just utilizing social media, that every image, every caption, Every meme, everything that you're sharing explains the mission clearly. Transparency is the number one thing in trying to solicit donors. Marketing. So making sure that you are marketing towards the people that you need to do the service, right? So when I started this organization, I wanted to market this towards people who run the foster care agencies in New York City, as well as the homeless shelters. So figuring out what do they need to see in order to understand what our services are. And that's sometimes it's simply putting together a kit that explains and breaks everything down. Here's the mission. Here's our values. Here's our logo. Here's our one-year plan. Here's the program that we can provide or the curriculum, just depending on what you want to do. And ironing all of that out, so that they can understand it, and then they choose whether or not they want to work with you. So you're, you're pretty much, I mean, you're not selling in the sense of an item, but you're selling your vision and your passion yeah. in a sense, right? Yeah, and making it clear. I mean, for, there's another nonprofit. A friend of mine runs an organization called Kicks for the City. It's a very simple mission. They give shoes to the homeless. So in all of their packaging, they're showing Photos, images of sneakers, um, images of of homeless. So so people can just simply connect the dots. Here's the mission, here's the value, and here's what it looks like if you give. It's easy. So, all right. So the biggest part of charity, Mm -hmm. nonprofit organization, is that you have to have money, right? It's actually a business, right? That's something that people need to understand, too, if you think about running a, a, a nonprofit, a successful nonprofit. Yeah. Is that you have to run it like a business because it is a business, Right. Um, so we're going to talk about funding. So nonprofits get majority of their funding from donors, right? How do you raise it? Depends. What's the other ways? Yeah, it depends. You can get, um, a majority through individual donors, through state funding, through federal funding. Um, those, those are the three main ways. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk about donors. Yeah. How does, how would some, what's the one-on-one blueprint to attract individual donors? Reel them in so that they understand the cause and make sure that you are speaking to people who care about that mission, that specific mission. So with Precious Dreams, I had to find a way. How do I connect the issues of foster and homeless youth and make it relatable to someone who's never been in those shoes? So the first thing that we did was target parents because parents understand the importance of comfort items. Mm -hmm. So I remember my first year I would have meetings and one of the first questions I asked was, do you have kids? What's their bedtime routine? Do you read to them? Do, what do, they, do they sleep in pajamas? And it immediately brings them to this happy place of thinking of like what that looks like for their kids and how important it is to them. Mm-hmm. And then I would help them vision what a 
typical night looks like in a homeless shelter or what a night looks like for a foster kid who's sleeping in a room with five other families on a mattress that's on the floor and immediately they feel connected, um, you know, and then they want to give. They want to save someone because they can't understand how someone else could be lacking what their child has or what they have that they were taking for granted because they just did never thought about the person who lacks. Yeah, it's a commonality. Like we were all children at some point. Yeah. Right? And we probably all have gone through some experience as a child, whether it was like somebody putting you to bed or mm-hmm. your bedtime routine. Um, I want to go to the, the, the fact of state funding and federal funding. So like, uh, how does that work? And is, are there acts or initiatives that the state provides that it's like, you know what, I should target them or how do you go about it? Um, it depends on what you're doing, again, with the nonprofit. So if you're providing a service for schools or for educators, mm-hmm. it's very easy to go after state funding. If you are providing sneakers to the homeless, it's a little harder to get those grants approved because they might not see the importance in that work. Um, so, yeah, it, it just depends on what you're doing. But those applications are available online. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a full list of the state money that's available federal money that's available and you just have to see whether or not you fall along. So, um, okay. So how important is grant writers? Grant writers are very important. Um, they're very, very important, especially if you don't have relationships with a lot of individual donors, cause you need one or the other. Um, grant writers, and also researchers are another, a whole nother animal because a lot of times, and we, we learned this the hard way. I thought, you know, let's, let's find a grant writer. You find the grant writer and they're like, okay, so who's doing the grant research? Because that's a whole nother job. Yeah, I'm not even heard of that title. What's what their job to do? To research. <laughs> Everything. Yes, and-, and it takes hours because there, there are so many grants available, yeah. but there could be one small thing in that grant, one requirement, and yeah. your organization just doesn't fall under it. So making sure before you waste anybody's time and they're writing this full proposal that you fall in on all of the requirements that are listed for that one specific grant. Are most of these grants um, government or private or like a mixture of both? A mix, yeah. Private, public, state, federal. And it's just, you could just Google and probably find a lot yep. as far as with different causes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, a lot of them are very public. Some are invite only, um, which are harder to apply for. Which, but What's that, invite only? So there's a lot of private, especially like family foundations, where they've set up to to give finances annually to different organizations. But they don't want to have thousands of applications coming in. There are over 1.5 million nonprofits in the United States. So if you are a very small, like three or four person run organization where you're trying to just simply give out $20,000 a year, you don't want 1.5 million people applying. Um, And so what they'll do is they'll restrict it to a certain county or a certain state. And people will have to know someone in order to get in. It's kind of like, like, I don't want to say mafia, but like you have to know somebody in order to even figure out what their application process is to get in the door. Like the members only. So where does your funding come from? Most of a majority of our funding comes from individual donors. And that is a gift um, that I've been able to receive because of the work that I've done. So in having that, that, 
that history, that job history at places like Madison Square Garden, where I've been able to develop relationships with the 1% in New York City, um, or, you know, the athletes and artists that come through and they're invited to sit courtside at our games, the Gary V's of the internet, like all of those people I developed great relationships with by them seeing my work ethic, but then also my character, seeing that I am someone who is um, responsible, but kind. And so when I approach those people about giving to my nonprofit, the answer is yes, more than no. So do you have, because I, like, I think um, Derek Ferguson, the Robin Hood dinner is like $5,000 minimum. Like, it's like $5,000 per plate. To enter, yeah. When it's sold out, you can't get in. And so that's crazy. But um, like, how do you price, how do you ask for money? And like, do you do it in galas? How do you know how much to ask for? There's so many ways to fundraise. So many ways. Um, so one thing that's very important, we, talk, we go back and talk about boards, right? Your board of directors should be very diverse, and they should have a network far beyond your reach so that they can go out as ambassadors and promote your organization to receive funding um, from anyone that they're connected to. Then you can utilize social media. There's a lot of ways that you can raise money on social media. There's a lot of platforms like GiveSmart.com is a platform that you can pay for where you can set up fundraising pages, but then it also gives you text numbers. So like the text to give where you can send out a number and say, if you text this number, you can donate $25 instantly. That's a platform that allows you to do it. Um, galas are very important. Selling a ticket to provide an experience for somebody is the easiest way to fundraise. Who doesn't want to come to an open bar experience or to see a performer um, to go out to have a good time? So galas are honestly probably one of the biggest um, the biggest ways that nonprofits are able to generate funds, especially for, for Precious Dreams. That's definitely our, our go-to every year. You have an annual gala? Yes, mm-hmm. every fall. So on the business side, um, how do you know, all right, you, you, you run an organization, not you, but just anybody, right? And that's your job. So you have to make a living. You have to, you know, provide for yourself, right? So how do you know, or what's the rule of thumb? Like how much money should you be taking for your own personal? It, it never really seems like it's right because it's like a charity you don't want to take, but it's still a job. You, you're right. doing something, you know, and you got to get compensated for that, obviously. So, yeah. Especially like when you're the owner of it because it's up to you. Like, how do you determine like how much money you take from that as your personal salary? So, I think the most important word when it comes to thriving in the nonprofit space is transparency. And annual reports are important. An annual report is more than just the 990, which you need to fill out every year so that the government knows how you're spending your money. But an annual report will break down exactly how much money went to operational costs, to programming, to office supplies, to everything. And a lot of times, big donors want to see where every dollar went last year. And if you can show that, then they will give more. Like I said earlier, the more that, the more that a donor knows, the more they will give. So we always make sure that we're very transparent about what we give, but then also making sure that they see the numbers that they that they that they'd want to see, right? So like if I'm giving a dollar, I want to know that at least 75 cents of my dollar is going to go towards the, the children and the images that you're showing me in this deck to that program. And so at Precious Dreams, 
it's interesting because I kind of mimics an idea that I saw from Usher's foundation. So Usher has the new look foundation and I don't know if they still do this, but years ago, their board was covering 100% of the operational cost. And so they marketed uh, on the website that 100% of your donation goes to the programming and that will reel anybody in. So I went to my board. This is actually how I was able to get approved for a salary. I went to my board and said, this is what I saw. And I think that this is a great approach. And because we're only still at like the $60,000 annual level, would you guys be willing to put together um, a cost so that this is, this is how much would go towards operational costs. And then this is how much that you give to the organization every year. And they voted because voting is another thing that must happen on your board. They voted, it was approved and they actually cover my salary. So when people donate to precious dreams, none of that money goes to operational costs. Who's they? My board, my board of directors. They, they out of their pocket. Out of their pocket, yeah, which says so much, yeah, right? That's a, that's a so, like approach. the the highest level, um, the highest level of leadership at my organization believes in this mission so much that out of pocket they pay for my salary. So, if rule of thumb, like if we're starting a nonprofit, what, what would you say the percentage would be for a the, nonprofit to have an operational cost? The recommended, according to according to like Charity Navigator, would be. 40% should go towards operational costs and anything outside of programming. Everything else should go towards programming. And then if it doesn't, they would they judge you. There's a lot of like grading systems online for nonprofits. So you you will get graded on a lower scale if you are taking that money and putting it. So, so if, we, we so got, if, it's like, if like a million dollars comes in, 400000 should go to operational costs, 600000 should go to the prop. To the yes. Right. And, and that, mm. that operational cost, obviously, if you have staff, with you, um, obviously, supplies can fall in that list too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and also it's like just accountability and being smart about how you spend that money because there's no rule that says that you have to. But if you get an audit from the IRS and they look at how you're spending, they can pull that five hundred one c three at any time. Okay. All right. That was good. That was a lot of good information. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.